Rosie Sircone. Yes. How are you feeling today? I'm doing good today. Good. Yes. Yeah. I was, you know, like I had the winter sickness that you did? people. I did not like the really bad one. I had the like slightly better one. The but one that just comes with winter. Yes. It's just like you get this. But mm. today I was feeling like an actual human being, and I was like, perfect timing, because I have to go talk to people. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah. And you have a show tonight, right? Yes, I do have a show tonight. Cool. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, you were just talking about, well, so give me a little bit of, uh, just to preface this whole thing with, um, you know, what you play. It's definitely not in like the normal five instruments that you would think of off right. the top as like guitar, piano, yeah. vibraphone. Yes, vibraphone is bit. my primary instrument. Um, I grew up like being a band kid and played percussion in all my school bands. And then I went to uh, college for music and studied classical and jazz percussion primarily. Oh, wow. uh, there's a lot of other, I went to actually just University of Montana, believe it or not, has a really good world music program. The teacher there like has studied a lot of African percussion and wow. Balinese percussion and um, Brazilian percussion. So I played a lot of different things. Uh, but at this point in my career, I primarily play vibraphone. And that is what I perform with around Spokane and around the area. So what drew you to the vibraphone? Um, well, I've always, I liked jazz a lot, playing in jazz band, like in my schools mm -hmm. and playing in combos in college and stuff. Um, I would, I don't play a lot of jazz anymore, but it was a really good vehicle for learning um, just about chords and music theory and improvisation and I still use all that stuff all the time so okay. I'm really glad that I worked on it and within jazz vibraphone is kind of the primary mallet instrument that mm. gets used mm. so that was a big reason for it and then as I was like getting towards the end of college and as I was uh, excuse me starting to combine my singing and my songwriting oh, okay. with um, mallet playing I there was a couple reasons I ended up choosing vibraphone one um, just some of the technicalities of the instrument and what you can do on that one versus other mallet instruments so most people are really familiar with like xylophones mm -hmm. or more familiar I should say not really familiar yeah, more familiar <laughs> yeah, would be. everyone knows everything about the xylophone um, <laughs> that's the one it's x right yeah that's exactly. the, so when that's you, the letter x when you growing up as a baby you learn in xylophone. Exactly. Oh, exactly. <laughs> I was wondering, like, what letter X? It's like, oh, yeah, no, xylophone. Yeah, that's the only one, basically. So, yeah, xylophones and marimbas, people also are usually a little more familiar with that term than the term vibraphone. Those ones are made of wood, and um, marimbas are, like, really big. Like, my instrument's big, for sure, but marimbas are uh, often, like, six, seven eight feet long. Wow. Mm. Um, and so the the biggest thing is that like vibraphones are just a little bit smaller and they're a little bit more portable than a lot of the other mallet okay. instruments mm. while still having like a pretty good range to them. So that's one of the technical aspects. Uh, the other technical aspect is it also has a pedal on it. Mm -hmm. So I just like a piano has a pedal where you can control if the notes ring out or whether they stop. Okay. A vibraphone also has that too, whereas the other mallet instruments, you just hit it and that's the note length you get. Ah. So the vibraphone gives me a little bit more um, play in how I, the different textures that I can get out of it by just 
playing with mallets and wow. using my foot. That's beautiful. Um, so yeah, so it's just it's just a little more fun to me than the other ones too. At the end of the day, so I've you just were kind of like drawn to the sand. playing with them all, like, and then kind of chose as you are developing into um, wanting to make your own music. That's where you kind of had to select what you wanted to be your primary instrument? Yeah. Is that how it went down? Or? Yeah, pretty much. And it's like in a perfect world, I would love to have a show someday where I could bring a marimba and a vibraphone and any other kind of mallet percussion and have this like big giant setup where I could use all these different sounds. Wow. Um, but when you're starting by playing in like breweries and stuff sometimes you can't even really fit the vibraphone in there you know so like you gotta you gotta start somewhere and also mallet instruments are really expensive which is annoying but it is true it's just mm-hmm. the way it is and so i think a big reason that most percussionists end up picking one too whether they go into it as like a full career or go into it just as a hobbyist is that they're like, I can kind of only invest in one yeah. a lot of the time. Um, so I do still have a marimba actually, but it just stays at my house and I'll use it to teach lessons. And I'm starting to record with it more for like future music and stuff. But for playing live right now, it's just the vibraphone. So what is like the average... Like the cost of like a marumba or a xylophone. Yeah. So like vibraphone, my instrument, it's like seven thousand dollars. Yeah. So is it it's powered, right? It's plugged in. They can be. So mine isn't. Um but Oh, so that wasn't at the at the show? No. Wow. It's not powered. It just sounds like that. That's why that it's there's a lot of engineering I'm sure that goes into making sure that those sounds yeah, yeah it's really cool. Exactly. So vibraphones, the reason they're called vibraphones is they the early ones and they still do today. Mine just doesn't happen to have it because it made it slightly cheaper to not get it with this. Mm. Um is you know those tubes that come off the bottom yeah. of mallet instruments? Those are called the resonators. And in a vibraphone, there's this little rod with these fans in every single tube. And when you turn it on, if it's if you have the capability to do that, those fans start rotating and it gives the vibraphone vibrato, which is the wah, 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 wah sound. Mm. Oh. You can change the speed of it so it can be slow, it can be fast. And is that um, controlled like on the pedal or is that like right where you can? Yeah, so usually on vibraphones that have it, there will be like a little control panel like right on the side and I there's see. literally like a little slider where cool. you can change how fast or how slow it goes. Um, so anyway, yeah, mine is an electronic. It still costs like $7,000 without electronics. I know that's a quite of an an investment. Yeah. And then marimbas, there are some that you can get that cost like $3,000 and that's like the low end. The really high end for the like largest ones you can get are in the like $25,000 range. So it's, yeah, that's what I mean when I'm like. This is one of the hardest parts I have about my instrument and like wanting to champion my instrument is that it's really not an accessible instrument, which sucks. And I'm trying to figure out ways to make it more accessible hmm. for people. Um, but wow. but yeah, so that's cool. No, yeah, that's I crazy. Uh, I got a chance to listen to the show that he's referring to too, and I was blown away not only by the sounds of the instrument but just by the way that you the way that you like designed that song 
which was like it like had like a it took it definitely takes you on a journey. Oh, definitely it takes you. You know a where it's just like it starts out and it's and it's like I don't know. Did you mean to mess up right in the beginning? Um, which How, song are we talking about? The, the revival T show. You the, you did you hit the side. note. Oh, bright you, side. Yeah, bright side. And you said You're like, that's not the right note. You said that's not the right <laughs> note. And it, I don't know. It was just so. It just set the tone because it was just so funny how things work out sometimes. Right? Yeah. No, I de- I definitely do not plan <laughs> to hit yeah, wrong yeah. notes. Believe it or not, that's uh, not actually my goal. <laughs> but, but I'm glad it came off. Really, you know. Well, it's just like gets your really attention good. when people do st- when like weird things like that happen, right? Or it's yeah. just like. And well, it really kind of, makes you pay attention. It like broke the ice, I feel like. Exactly. People, people also, wow, oh, you just yeah. kind of get a, little, get a little laugh, and everybody was like, oh. And, and, then, as and then you just go back into the song. So, And as performers, you know how much breaking the ice, how much value that has to yeah. get to that layer where, like, they really feel you type of yeah. thing. And uh, that song just took, takes you on a journey, and it's just, yeah, it was just really nice. It was yeah. really, really, and I, I, was, I was more impressed it, it with, like, the songwriting and stuff, so. It doesn't look e- easy to play. No, that was one thing it, I was very just impressed. The instrument in general. Yeah, looks those like- holds. Like, is that is that standard? Like, or is that? Yeah. So that. So yeah. What you're referring to is I was holding two mallets in each hand for that, um, for most of the songs that I played, and um, that's just like we call that four mallet grip. And there's diff- there's different grips that you can use, um, but yeah, but that's just one of the standard grips yeah. and. Um, it doesn't feel hard anymore, obviously, because mm-hmm. I've done it for a long time. It's definitely really, really weird at first. Uh, but, yeah, I think the only reason that I'm able to sing and play at the same time uh, at the level that I'm still, of course, always trying to push um, that I can today is because I had a lot of years where those things were both really separate. So I sang a lot growing up. I see. Um, but I was like just singing, and then I also played a lot of four mallet solos, and again all the all the band kid things with my four mallet stuff. But no singing was involved. So I had a lot of time developing those skills separately, and then put them together. Whereas if someone was like, "I want to sing and play this instrument," I've never played it before. I think yeah. that would be much more. It, it yeah, it wow. showed definitely. Yeah. It definitely showed the how you can kind of play with like the, your sounds with your voice. It was nice. Yeah. So. Well, thank you very much. Yeah. How long Absolutely. do you think it would you would it take like an average person to learn like really learn? If somebody was like, I want to learn the vibraphone, like how much time would you recommend that they dedicate to? Not, obviously, you can't not perfecting your craft, but to really feel confident to play it in front of audience. Yeah, you know, I mean, I think it's so. I like wish there was like an easy answer to that. Yeah. I think it's so dependent on the person and even just saying like I want to play in front of an audience. I at like as a teacher, I have some students that just like they're just so psyched about the instrument that they could play for a month and they'd have some really small song and they'd be like ready to go. You know, they're like, I am going to play. I'm going to show this to everybody. And I'm like, you do that. And then I have students that I've been working with for years that are like, I am not getting up in front of anyone, even though they put in way more time and like totally could, you know, like, um, and I don't know. I think I've always, um, Especially as a kid, like, because I was growing up with, like, social media becoming a thing. Mm -hmm. Um, I, looking back now, I shared things 
way before I should have shared them, if that makes sense. Same. Oh my gosh, like, same. Good thing it's buried. Yeah, like way before. And but on it was awesome. Like and I and I've lost a little bit of that in the past few years and that's something I'm actually really like purposely trying to get back to in twenty twenty four is like just being willing to just share and because and i mean kind of even going back to what you were saying about me messing up in the beginning of the show i think like just being willing to share things that feel like they're in the process and not finished yes is Mm -hmm. just a way to break the ice in everyday life with vulnerability Yes. Exactly. Showing, showing, like you know, showing people you're human, and then that going from there. Huge. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, this is big, and I mean, you know, as little as it seems, and although you didn't plan it, it that's what it like adds value in a weird way. You know? Yeah. So definitely. But but yeah, I can agree. I, I no, can I've seen people that. like you see people on stage too, like forget their lyrics or something, and the and then you get a real, just personal moment with the crowd because it's like almost if you see somebody mess up it's like oh they probably don't mess up a lot so it's like i almost feel like honored to just be in this moment here where it's like oh cool like you know and i've done the same thing but i used to be like terrified of it on stage to mess up and then i've learned like dude this is a one-of-one experience so Mm -hmm. that's like a part of it if i do you know yeah or whatever ends up happening um do you think your students um like do they all kind of have the same goal? Like, do they, do your students all want to perform in front of crowds or do people have different reasons for, you know, playing the instruments? Yeah, I mean, so most of my students are actually drum set students um, because I played a ton of drums growing up too. I don't really perform on drum set that much at this point. That could totally change because I do like playing drums. It's just not my primary thing. Um, And yeah, it really varies. I would say most of the people that I have right now, there's like two categories. One is that they're kids and they either play in school band Mm -hmm. or their parents just really want them to be involved in music. But generally the only ones that actually last are the kids that also want to be involved in music. Um, So I'm really lucky to have like primarily kids that are really excited about it which is awesome um and then the other area i have is um i have quite a few adult students too that some of them do perform and they have groups that they've played with for a long time Mm -hmm. or a short amount of time Uh, but some people just really like the process of learning a new skill and just understanding and connecting to music in a different way like they love listening to music and they just love having a little bit of the behind the scenes knowledge about it Mm. but they don't really care to ever have a career yeah and i i think that's super awesome i actually love that and those are some of my favorite students to teach because instead of working towards this like all the mental stuff of being on stage and things like that it's a whole other thing right we get to replace that with like tangents about like a musician they really love or a specific technique and just yeah it's really it's really more a study of like why do you find this joyful instead of like let's build your confidence to get up on stage which i love helping people with that too Mm -hmm. um it's just especially as somebody who studied music so seriously for so long it's really nice to remember that you can just play music for fun oh yeah which i forget a lot. Well, yeah, and I mean, because yeah. when you're trying to do it as a 
as a business or a profession or a career in any way, it's there's so many other things that you have to be thinking about rather than when you're just, I don't even plan on showing. I'm just gonna, the only people I'm going to show this to are people that I see physically that come over yeah. or I'm like, hey, can I play something or, totally. you know, but that that is like a like not having any kind of pressure to need to share it or put it out or, or anything like that. I feel like I could see where that would be very freeing you know, yeah. because it adds a lot of extra pressure yeah. when you're trying to do it. For sure. You know, especially in front of people. Um, how, how do you coach um, like kids or people that, that want to get on stage and stuff like that? How, how do you are there kind of like um, things that you do, like exercises or something that help them get into the state of mind to be able to perform in front of a crowd? Yeah. You know, I, that's a really, really good question. And it's something I'm constantly like working on and thinking about because um and I do have to think about it a little extra hard because I you know I definitely can get nervous to get up on stage but I think one thing that I've been really lucky with is just I'm not a person super prone to stage fright I'm just pretty I've just always been pretty willing to get up there which Mm -hmm. is not normal not abnormal it's just the way I am yeah um but it does mean when it comes to people or students that I have that are really scared I'm like I actually don't understand that so I have to I have to think about it right um and so I would say the people that I end up working with the most on stage fright have been like my middle school and high school students because they are the ones that are usually involved in groups in their school and so they have to be performing it's not yeah. a matter of whether you want to perform uh, or not it's you have to perform um like you got to present in front of the class like one of those things it, in school but, exactly ooh. it's just it's like um you know fortunately or unfortunately it's just part of the class yeah and so a lot of the way that i talk about stage fright and, and confidence on stage is um you know, the first thing that I always tell them about is, hey, like you have this like magic sheet of paper with like all the notes on it. Right. And nobody else does like no one else knows what you're supposed to play. Right. Ah, like like you're point. you're the only person that has that. And so oh, even if you skip an entire line, they don't actually see that. Yeah. Like you could just you just. Keep going. keep going. And yeah. so, yeah, we do a lot of practicing of like, you know, we'll work on cleaning up mistakes as much as possible. But usually the last run I'll have them do of something is, OK, I want you to play it. I don't care if you mess up. I just want you to keep going. Right. And like um, in music school and stuff, we'll talk a lot about like telegraphing your mistakes. Right. So like yeah. people only know it if you show it on your face yeah. and ah. say like, Oh, I messed up, which obviously I did in my performance. Yes. But when you get to be in charge of the performance, if it makes you feel better in that scenario and it's like my show yeah. and I yeah. say, oh, I messed up, I'm going to start again. That's my choice. And mm-hmm. that makes me feel better mm-hmm. in a more formal setting. I would never do that. Right. If yeah. I was playing in Carnegie Hall, I would probably not be like, you just be guys, rolling I, with it. I it just this. messed up. Like, no big deal. I'm yeah. going to start again in Carnegie Hall. Like, you, you would have just done it a different way. Exactly. And so it's all about the setting you're in. And so that's another thing I talk about, too, right? Is like, you know, if you're playing with a group, you absolutely can't stop, right? You yeah. have to keep going because everyone else is going to leave you behind. Mm-hmm. So you have to go with them. But if you're playing by yourself, maybe you do have a minute to just take a breath and keep on playing. 
Um, that feels freeing. I feel like I if know. you were, if it was just like, it just keep going. Cause look, I have, I have stage fright. I don't know if it's stage fright. I don't know if I just don't. Anytime I have a show, I'm terrified. Yeah. Always. Like it no never, matter how many, if it's a great show, it doesn't matter how many like, I've done. It I've, doesn't matter I, how many people are there. I've routinely sent this guy a message about 45 minutes before <laughs> he gets on stage telling him everything will be completely fine. Well, that's a good friend. <laughs> so, and, and I'm, go I'm, sometimes I'm not even at the show. Yeah. I'm just at home on my and couch. And it's proven, <laughs> like, you know, you've done so many shows and they all work out. Yeah. And then you look back and you're like, how many times are you anxious every time? How many times did it go bad? None. Okay. <laughs> yeah. What are you worried about? You're like, my How many brain, times you forgot your lyrics? emotions don't necessarily, yeah. they're not in cahoots. Okay? Yeah. My emotions are like, I'm going to do whatever I want. And your yeah. palms are sweat. Why yeah. are you? And, and when you do <laughs> that, when you do that little mess up, it's just you, you're like you get off stage and everyone's like, great show. And you're just like, you're like fighting the urge to be like, except for that time I messed <laughs> up. You're holding on to you it. You know, but realistically, like if you can rise out of that, you're like, that was yeah. fun. Like, did you have fun? Oh, I had and fun. Nobody notices. So mm-hmm. like you were saying, it's yeah. like when you show it on your face, or you, you do a thing that people are like, you know, but when you just flub a word or something and I'm just like, keep going. And, you know, yes. we're just like 90% focused on it. And the people that are watching like it are zero. 10% or yeah, yeah 5%. Yeah. Like they're yeah. like barely even notice, you know? Yeah. And yeah. so that's why that, that was interesting to me because I think it is good to just keep rolling. I feel like that kind of can give you yeah. confidence to just say, well, just, just keep going. Like, yeah. and that is a skill in itself, you know, like, yeah. you know, I think one thing I notice a lot with my younger students is sometimes I think they want to stop when they mess up because they want to show me that they know that they didn't do it right. Like yes. they want they want to show like, no, I'm it's basically I think if I'm really boiling it down, they're like they don't they don't want to feel dumb. Right. They don't want to be like, oh, I just kept going because I didn't know that I want to show yeah. you that I'm learning and that I got this. And so. You know, just being really clear about are we working on showing that we know the music or are we working on our performing side? Because some, you know, we can't actually really think about how yeah. well we know the music when we're performing. We just got to perform. Yeah. And so, yeah, separating those tasks and realizing you're, the, you're two a good teacher. Things. I would say that's you're a very good teacher. Well, thank you. Because I like there's there's that. like that's like going beyond like teaching the music at that point. You know what I mean? By kind of being like, you know, like understanding what road we're going down at that moment. Because, you know, we all remember our favorite teachers. And like, that was like, that's like right in line. It's like, well, what? You know, that's okay. You don't have to pass every test, Cody. You know, Mm -hmm. it's like, that was good. That's good. Is that what you do for a living? Is teach or? Yeah. So that's the, that's the main thing that I do right now. And I have a real up and down relationship with it i really do like it i really do like it um and i but i also never expected to be teaching as much as i have taught over the last three years and so it's been kind of it i mean there's so many people that are artists and teachers like they go really hand in hand in Mm -hmm. a lot of ways um but it's been a little bit of a block for me to figure out how to balance both of those things and then also just like I don't know I feel like the last year and a half has been the first time I've had like an actual like personal life that was not just revolved around like what I wanted my career to be and stuff and that's been really freeing and great but that also takes up time to have believe it or not it takes up time to have like 
a true personal life that you like. Yeah. So yeah, traveling to Iceland. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Tell me a little bit about that. That was just vacation with the with the hubby or what? Yeah. So yeah, with my fiance, we actually got engaged in Iceland. Oh, oh, really? Yes. Wow. So, Tell us about that. That's yeah. Cool. Um. So we we hadn't been on any like big trip together that wasn't work or family related. Like okay. it was always like going to visit family or. Um, he's a real estate agent. He's also a, a percussionist. He's a drum set player. And so when I play with a band, he he's my drummer. I was going to ask that question. Yeah. Too. Yeah. So which is which is great. That's I awesome. love that. Um, but yeah, we Iceland has just like always been a, a bucket list place for me. I ah. just I just have always wanted to go there. I was going to ask. I was um, like, did you spin a globe and just say I hit know a it finger, does kind of seem like that. But no, I just was like, I think it's such a fascinating place because it has so many different landscapes in this tiny, tiny area. Like, because it's, like, geothermal, so it's very, like, anything you'd see in, like, Yellowstone, you can get in Iceland. Wow. Um, it's got, like, these giant, like, mountains and, like, some of the craziest valleys I've ever seen that's very, like, Lord of the Rings, yeah. New Zealand-esque. But then you're right on the ocean, and there's all these glaciers. It's just, like, so we saw so many things in the span wow. of, like, 10 days. And, um, yeah, we rented a van, and we just drove around the whole island and camped in the van. Dude, awesome. that sounds epic. Yeah, it was really epic. So, yeah, and then and then I got engaged. And you guys so, went for nine days, right? Yeah, nine days. And uh, what did he, did he, like, propose to you at, like, the end of the... Of the thing or like Yeah, he was like he was like carrying the ring around the whole time. Like he was like, like Lord of the Rings. Yeah, exactly. Like, <laughs> oh it God. was like Lord of the Rings. He was like trying to find like a good place to propose and he had like a couple ideas, but some of the ones that he initially thought there was like a lot of tourists, which makes sense, but he was like, I don't want it mm. to be this like big showy thing in front of all these people yeah. we don't know, like like, you know, I love being on stage, but when it comes to, like, my personal life, I, like, really value, like, my privacy and 100%. stuff. And he's the same way. And so, um, so yeah, it was near the end of our trip, but most of the campgrounds we stayed in were, like, pretty full. But this this one we happened to stay in, there was nobody else there. It was oh, just perfect. us. And every day that um, – our whole trip, it was, like, alternating, like, beautiful blue skies, sunny, and then, like, the next day would be torrential downpour. Like, yeah. never seen so much rain in my life. Oh, wow. Um, and so it was one of the really nice sunny days, and we just had, like, a really nice breakfast and a nice morning. And and um, then the moment just kind of came wow. up, and it was supernatural and that sweet. Is so, so that is so awesome. He did good. He did real good. That is that awesome. Is Man, that's just making me feel so fuzzy inside. That's so cool in Iceland feelings. too. Yeah, no, he's, he's he definitely yeah he stepped up for the uh, you know that was that was a good experience. Yes, you know he did. Wow. Yeah, he stepped up for sure. <laughs> yeah. So when are you guys get married? Uh, June. June. Yeah. Perfect time to yeah. get married. Cool. So good. How exciting. Yeah. Um, talk a little bit about your book that you that you just yes. came out with, which is pretty freaking cool. Yeah, actually, I uh, I brought you a. Yes. So you can take a look at it. Oh, yeah. Um, but yeah, so I wrote a book last year called Getting Gigs Outside of the Concert Hall, a guide for mallet percussionists. So very, very specific subject matter. Yeah. Um, but basically, I wrote it because I did a couple of different um mallet festivals uh that's like a pretty common thing in the music world especially the classical music world is 
it's basically like a summer camp type thing for adults um, where they just go and they talk about their really specific instrument Mm -hmm. and play concerts and give talks about it. And so I was involved in a few. And what I ended up talking about was basically just my experience as a gigging musician, but in a way that is not very common coming out of the classical music world. Um, What you're really trained to do in most college programs is like how to win an audition at like a symphony orchestra, which is really, really hard, by the way. And there's not that many spots open, especially for percussionists, like sometimes like one or two a year around the country will open up for around the country. Yeah. Like open up for all these people who are graduating with percussion degrees and these dreams of being symphonic percussionists. So there's that, or you can be like, you can play like jazz clubs or you can play musical theater shows with your percussion degree. And that's, those are kind of the realms that you get taught that you can like, where you can use your degree. Mm -hmm. Um, And I just was not super interested in doing any of those things full time or really pursuing any of those things full time because it'd be years and years until one of those things worked out yeah so um so as you know i play a ton at breweries and wineries and i've played weddings i play a lot at assisted living centers um there's all these different places that i am like making money and like playing my instrument um and relatively soon out of college Mm -hmm. and none of this was information that i learned at my music school like Mm -hmm all the the business side and how I chose what music to play and the hardware, the gear, you Mm -hmm. know, everything I needed. I didn't learn any of that in music school and it was all very much trial and error based, figuring out how to get in touch with people, how to contact places. Um, So I just decided to put it all into a book after I did some presentations on this subject. Um, Because even though it's really specific and mostly geared towards mallet percussionists, there's also a lot of the business stuff could be used for any younger or beginning musician into their performing life. Um, That's awesome. Yeah. And so it was a really good experience. Do you... um did you write it more for helping people transition into gigging or did you write it for like monetary gain? Like what, what do you, do you sell it? Um, I do sell it. Yeah. So I do sell it, but it's, I mean, like, it's not like I'm making a wild profit on it right mm-hmm. now by any means. Um, you know, cause I, like I did self publish it through Kindle direct publishing and stuff. Oh, is so, that how the, oh okay. Yeah. Yeah. Which it is really, really not. Yeah. That's, well, yeah. That like I learned really a lot about, just a you know a new avenue of yeah. of content creation and getting um you know getting knowledge or whatever you want to share out into the world cuz like those are really cool cuz if you order it through Amazon it's direct to print so i don't have to buy as the writer i don't have to buy a whole bunch uh-huh. of copies of the book yeah. people just order it and then they print a copy no and they way. send it to them are you serious yeah, that which, is so easy like yeah exactly exactly yeah. it's just drop shipping awesome. and so it's that makes it really easy to like to do that and and this is like this type of content in a book it like bridges that gap that it's knowledge that people will one day know they might not think they need to know that right but then they're just like well i do play play percussion like how can i use this well, yeah. like you were saying too so, like just just gigging just getting gigs just the just the first 
just getting gigs. Just so like you're saying, there's a lot, there's information that can apply to anybody. Somebody yeah. that wants to even just do covers somewhere. Exactly. And so like maybe someday I'll like put it into a book that's more, you know, more just about the business sides of it and not, um, not just percussion centric. Mm -hmm. But for right now, I was like, you know, I'm just gonna, I want to get this information out into the world. I just need to share it so it doesn't just sit on my computer yeah. and then I like lose all momentum with yep. it. And so, smart. yeah. So yeah, even though it's smart. even though it's really specific, I think there's a lot of different things it can grow into. And I just wanted to like just start pushing it out there. And it, you know, there's no reason it can't grow into a bunch of other projects. Into a whole series of into books. Into a whole series. Yeah. Exactly. You seem like someone who wouldn't shy away from projects. You're like, you, you like you like taking on projects? No, oh, I, I do. And it's like almost problematic. Yeah. When were you born? Uh, 19, where? Yeah, no, like what month? Um, June. I figured so. Yeah? You're a Gemini. I am a Gemini. I could tell. You're a Gemini. I could tell. Uh, Gemini's can see. I knew we had a connection. I could just tell, like, you know what I mean? Like, I was just like, what? That has, she has to be a Gemini yeah. because she's taken it on. That's funny. <laughs> <laughs> I can tell. Do you like projects too, then? Oh my god! Yeah. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, so was, many projects. I was just I talking. To, I was just. Cut, I was cutting a clip of an old episode with you, and it, you were talking about how you were like, "Man, you know, I'll just buy a bus and just put it in my parking yeah. lot or in my driveway, and then one day I'll be like, get out there, and tear it up, you <laughs> fucking pussy, tear it up.' <laughs> no, you know what's really funny is one day he was like, "What's like a perfect good day for you?" I'm like. You know, a good breakfast, a couple projects, you know, and like a couple like projects that like you don't see the end of. Like yeah. that's like that's like a good day for me. Mm -hmm. I'm so we're like Gemini's are weird like that. Yeah. We're like we almost want something that's like it's almost unattainable, but like you just keep working towards it. Or yeah. Whatever, so. Which and yeah. That's huge. I've always I've always wanted to the do gratification that. of yeah. releasing and having it physical yes. here now is probably really yeah. accomplished. It is. I was initially thinking of it just being like an ebook, but then once I wrote it up, I the first person I shared it with was Hayden, my fiance, and he was like, he was like, this is way too big for an ebook. He was like, there's there's just like like it's a small it's a small real life book, but it would have been a giant ebook, and so I do still sell it as a download too on my website. But um, when it's print to like, like, it's like, we get print a couple. Yeah, Let's go. exactly. Yeah. And, yeah. And it feels really like you said, it just especially as I'm sure, you know, in the music world, too, like uh, sometimes it's really hard not having like a physical thing yep. that you've made mm -hmm. with your work. Um, mm -hmm. That can be really tricky. So it is nice to. And it's and it feels. It is, yeah, it's really nice. Like that's better quality than I'm sure when you got it, you were like, that's great. Yeah, <laughs> I, I know. I was like, wow. Yeah. I'll, I'll what, really about, what about an audio book now? You got to. Yeah, just, maybe, you know, you never know. <laughs> you have know. the voice for it. Oh, thank you. Yeah, thank you have you the voice much. for it. People would love that. Yeah. You know. We'll see. We'll yeah. see what happens. I know a guy. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> there you go. There you go. Shameful plug, right? I mean, but no, you, you, Sh no, yeah. no shameful. Yeah. <laughs> oh. I'm just joking. So, um, so do you do you play all original music when you do your gigs, or? Um, so depends on the gig. Like, obviously, like a revival live kind of thing. I played one cover, but it was mostly original stuff. Mm -hmm. um, when I'm doing like a brewery gig, I play mostly covers with some originals in there. Um, one thing that I've learned and that like I 
talk to people about when like they want to gig more is I'm very open at this point to not trying to force whatever music I want to play into any situation. Mm. I find gigging a much more enjoyable experience if I play the music people actually want to hear. And so, and then, but making sure to schedule gigs where I do get to play what I want, you know? Mm -hmm. So like, again, Revival Live, a great example, because I just get to share my music and play what I want to play and fully curate the show. Um, But, you know, when people are coming out to a brewery, they like, they get so hyped when they hear a song they know and it's on a vibraphone. They're like, I love that song. (laughs) I had this guy freak out a few months ago because I played Ocean Eyes by Billie Eilish and he was like, I love that song. And I was like, I did not peg you for the kind of guy. I love love that that song. song. That song is sick. Yeah, this guy was like, he was like, came in in his like cowboy boots and stuff. And so I was like, I did not think you were a Billie (laughs) Eilish fan, but I love that you are. Um, And so, yeah. What's the go-to song like that you get requested quite a bit? That's just like, of course, it's like. I don't, you know, I don't take a ton of requests because I... I know a lot of songs, but to be the level of cover musician where you can take requests, you have to know so. You gotta be a jukebox. Yes, yeah, I didn't I'm... even. I didn't even think because I mean, playing it on the instrument you play is a whole different beast. I guess yeah. I, I, to rephrase, I would say like, what song that you, do you get the most reaction to? Mm, yeah, I mean, again, depends on the setting where I am. But I do a couple like Nora Jones covers and people really like that on Vibraphone because she's jazz leaning, jazz adjacent. And so people really like that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, Yeah. People like that. People like Billie Eilish. People like Adele. Yeah. Oh, I could see people liking some Adele. Yeah. Uh (laughs) Yeah. I mean, Uh who doesn't? Yeah. And then you're sprinkling sprinkling like originals in there. Yeah. 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 And I mean, that's kind of a fun way to do it because every once in a while it doesn't always happen, but people will be like, oh, who is that one? And I was like, oh, that's one of mine. And they're like, that just like fit right in with the mix. Cause you know, sometimes with cover artists, you can tell when like they go cover, 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 original, and it's just like, a really different vibe or it just like it yeah. just doesn't feel like it fits um, you're forcing that one in there aren't yeah, you? Exactly. you really wanted to play that one exactly. for us yeah. and, like, and i'm all for it but it's just you know i it's always a really nice feeling when flow. yeah when you can get that and so that's always that's always nice um but yeah so i do i do a mix and then you know, like I mentioned, I play a lot of like assisted living home yeah. gigs. I like do a bunch of oldies for yeah. them and they love it and they sing along. Yeah, that is so cool. So, yeah, yeah. Again, it's like I, it makes them way happier to hear songs they know. And so I don't I get I get more from playing music they know than playing my own music in that setting right because yeah. i'm like i can play my own music other places like well, this and it's is for them make them happy yeah, yeah and it really is when you're performing it's like that's something i feel like that's a good advice for performers in general is that it's you know we're here to we're here for everybody else right like yeah. like it's really about entertaining our audience is people especially if people are paying money to show up to a place to see music then it's yeah. it's all about that that giving which is why I love music so much, um, mm-hmm. and especially performing music, is it's such an act of just giving and seeing react. Like when you're saying you're seeing them singing along, mm-hmm. and just and it's just like oh, this is so fulfilling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. 
Well, one thing that I thought was super freaking cool, because um, you just do a bunch of cool stuff, but um, you're doing like custom Valentine songs yes. for people. So tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. So I did that for the first time a couple years ago. And I like, just, I just thought about it. I, just one day, we're just like, I'm gonna fucking. Like, yeah, well, I, yeah, <laughs> just it was a project that I was like, that oh would be God. really cool. Um, and yeah, and I was, I was, uh, let's see, it would have been a couple of years ago. That would have been 2022, mm. I guess. And so I was, I'd moved to Spokane halfway through 2020, and that first like year and a half, I mean, it was. COVID year and, and it was just like I was right out of college and I was like I don't know what I'm doing and so I think it was during a time too where I was really trying to be creative from a financial side too of like what can I do with music to mm. like so and so I like I and so I was like I know that people do write custom songs and I'm like I feel like I have a skill set for this because I would say melodies are much easier for me to come up with than words. And so I was like, well, if the music part's not that hard and people are like basically giving me what to say, I don't mm. I don't think this should be too much of a problem. Genius. I think I can do this. And so I like drastically undercharged for it because I just didn't I needed want, proof of need concept. To try. Yes. yes. And and so I needed to know that it worked. And so I got like 12 people that signed up for it. So I wrote 12 songs <laughs> that year. Were you overwhelmed? At the, were you like, oh, geez, 12. Um, I was a little overwhelmed, but again, just with the time of my life it was and stuff, I like really needed something like, like that to like think about. To just yeah, get it. Think That's about cool. nonstop. So I did it that year and I was like, oh, that like went really, that went really well. And so I did it last year. Same thing. Went really well. And um, yeah, so I'm doing it again this that year. That is so interesting. Yeah. That is, so they, they tell you what they want to say? Yeah. So basically how I have it set up is I just have a Google form that they fill out and they tell me a little bit about the person. And so most of the songs have been for significant others, you know, husbands, mm -hmm. boyfriends, girlfriends. Mm -hmm. um, but I set it up and make it very clear that it's like it can be for any loved one. So I've had people write it for their kids had people write it for oh, wow. their um, their like soon to be child like that isn't born yet. Oh, I had wow. one lady. So like the, oh, so this song was written the year that you were born. Yep, I had one lady who wanted a song for her grandmother, and she had found a love note from her deceased grandfather. Oh my god! And had me put that to music for her. Um. Like, that is very, that's the, like, did you realize it was going to have that, like, were you just, were you thinking just spouse when yeah, you Yeah, I was just, you know, I really didn't know. Yeah. I figured it would mostly, because especially since I, I choose to market around Valentine's mm -hmm. Day, just because that's like when people are thinking of it, I would be open to writing them all year oh, round. Yeah, yeah, But yeah. that's mostly when I market it. So I was like, I figured it's mostly going to be a romantic love thing. Yeah. yeah. Um, but it's been, yeah, it's been really cool to see the that different was... ways that it pops up and the different ways that I get to write. Um, and yeah, it's just been a really great creative outlet because, um, you know, unlike normally when you write music, there's always an option to not finish the song. Yeah. Right? There's always that option. Mm -hmm. 
uh, when someone is like paying you to write a song, that is not an option any longer. You must finish this song, or you're an asshole if you don't finish. I was gonna it. ask, like, Which how is like, are you? Yeah, it's probably refreshing, kind of. Yeah, because it's just like, no, like I can't back out of this. This yeah, is great. I just like I have to, I have to finish it, and yeah. you know, normally the people that are coming to you are people that have self-professed that they don't have musical talent, which I don't think is true necessarily, but they... um, Don't have musical confidence. Yes. That's That's what it is. That's a good way to put it. Yeah. And so they are just... They're coming to you, and you almost can't lose, especially if they've heard you already, you know, and they know your sound and stuff. Yeah. Because... Um, they they obviously trust you enough to like even give you the information to do this, mm-hmm. um, and it's something that they absolutely could not do themselves. themselves. Yeah. And so you're really helping them create something very special and memorable, and it's kind of for both of them too. Yeah. And getting way back, I got way off tangent to yeah. your question about the the form and how I get the information from people, is um, it's just a it's just a few simple questions. Um, I ask for their name, their pronouns. Um, I ask, what do you love about this person? Just plain and simple. What do you love about this person? Um, what do you want this person to know? And I think there's one other question. And, oh, I ask what kind of music the person likes. And it doesn't mean that I will for sure write it in that style. But especially if it's something that I'm familiar with or like, if they say like Jack Johnson, I'm like, oh, like they like really happy, upbeat. I'm not yeah. gonna make this super sappy and it's like. A good question. At least gives boring. you a direction. Exactly. It's a very good question to protect yourself from making from making the expectation get hit. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. And so I just say like, this just can help me write the song, um, and then I just ask if there's any other information they want me to know, and that's it. So it's really straightforward, but. I mean, one of my favorite parts of the whole thing is just reading people's answers of just, like, what they love about this person they love. I'm like, I believe in the world again. Like, this is great. Um, And so, yeah, so in that way, I think it's, like, a cool experience for the people that order the song or ask for the song because they just get to sit down and, Mm -hmm. like, think about why this person is actually really important to them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so and I always send them a copy of their answers too, and I like try to encourage people like, hey, you should give them this along with, with the song, and just be like, you know, show that like the words you wrote. And I really do try to take like, oh, exact smart. phrases and stuff from them, so mm-hmm. that it's not like a, another just, poet just made up a, a you know a love song for you. Yeah. It's like no, it actually is from them. I really am just doing the the actual trade work of writing the song. So that's so cool. And it's yeah. something that the, like the person receiving the gift would never expect. Yeah. It's, I, it's that, really fun. It's like, Oh, flowers, chocolates. Like, what'd you get me? So oh, I had yeah. someone write you a song. <laughs> yeah. Like what? Yeah. The, like they come out from like, like the room is set and there's candles and the song plays. That'd be nice. It'd probably causing you know? an uptick in pregnancies. Yeah. Just with, <laughs> with so I'm I've so curious wanted, about, you, know? you said that you were, you were vastly undercharging your first year. Yeah. Do you, can can you tell oh, me what? Oh yeah, you're tra- I'm happy to tell prices. So I, I that year I was only doing twenty five dollars per song. Oh my gosh! Is, is so. I, I, mean, I, I had a number in my head and it was like seventy five. Yeah. And I was like, if she was charging seventy five, that's so cheap. Yeah. Well, and again, I I also at that point I was 
I that was still a good amount of money for me to be making because I needed it. I needed proof of concept. And I do one thing I always do struggle with in the arts realm is I I am a really big advocate for accessible arts and artistry. And obviously this is more of a um, custom fine experience but i don't want in a perfect world i would love to not have to charge for them oh, okay. you know I see what you're saying. and so um but it is like it is like a a high level skill that i'm providing to yeah. and so it's um i that's something i'm constantly trying to work out is like like i think in the future i would love to like offer like for x number that i sell i can do a discount like a way discounted one you know or something like mm-hmm. that just to like feel like i can offer different levels but yeah so that first year i charged 25 the second year i did 75 dollars a song Good. and then this year i'm doing like a period of time where i'm doing 95 dollars a song and mm-hmm. then it bumps up to 125 when we get a little closer to yeah the exactly i was gonna that's, ask about yeah, that that's timeline ex- that's exactly those numbers too that i was thinking too and that's that's good yeah that's good that you come up like because i mean the concept is proved you know? yeah like, pe- people want it exactly yeah so. and it's it's fun and i really do make sure that all the songs are unique i know that there are services out there that will just like basically take the same song and like input your ideas and lyrics into them but all my songs are completely different completely unique so i work really hard on that i mean it's just knowing that you just created it just that it's like that one of one experience Mm -hmm. that's got to be just a really i mean it, it seems like it would be some is it really easy to write for you like is it just something that you just force yourself to do and like to force the time as far as like hey i'm just going to delegate this time and then you just write or yeah. does writer blo- writer's block come in to play at all yeah um, good question yeah i mean i definitely i think writer's block has been something i've dealt with more in the past like year and a half or so than i have before um like in in, when I was in school and stuff, writing was just the thing I did when I had the time, yeah. you know? And so um, sometimes I'd have a little idea, but, you know, you're you're busy. You have this very exact schedule that mm-hmm. the system has set out for you. And so I had very little – I had very limited time to where I could even um, – really make those ideas happen yeah and so it, i ne- never really felt like i had writer's block then because you're it, always fresh yeah when you're coming ex- into... exactly you just mm-hmm. have really limited time to do it it's different now as an adult and like having way more time to be able to do it um you know like i could i'm not i like i don't write every day or anything like that i would like to get to a place where i do that and have a little bit more dedication to the craft of songwriting um but but yeah so i think one thing that is really interesting about the the love song stuff is i don't have a lot of writer's block with that that's kind of what i was curious about like there's no there's not the words are there the yeah the part of the puzzle is already there and the part you're the part that comes naturally to you the melody part is what they're lacking exactly and so it works really well to my skill set in that way um, I've had a little bit more writer's block for my own music when it comes to the words and that content recently, just because 
it's just been like a weird emotional period of my life for me, which I think is really, really normal in your mid 20s. So I'm not too concerned about it. But um, but it's made it's made like what I want to write about and entering into this new phase of my life as like a wife and like an actual adult instead of a mm. fake adult i guess yeah. um, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> getting engaged and getting ma- being like married will change the way that you yeah kind of create your art ex- for sure exactly and it just <laughs> and it's just already changed just like the things i really really care about and like in yes. different goals i have in life and so you know i'm all for writing music and stuff about the gray areas and the messy parts of life. But I feel like sometimes it's a little easy to write about that messiness when you're just a little bit past it. And I feel like I'm just getting past the really, really messy stuff. And so I feel like I'm starting to have a little bit of a renewed sense for writing, which is really fun and really exciting. Is Bright Side a newer song or older? Um, Older. Older. Um, It's because I released that in 2021. Two, I released that in 2022. Yeah, it seems Um, like a song where you're overcoming, you know, because it's like, you know, you're looking at the bright side. Yeah, yeah. So, um, but yeah, that's 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 interesting about the way your process and stuff. It's a yeah, well, because bright side is kind of about like, like it's it's kind of like it's okay to not be okay, kind of a thing, right? Like these things are happening and like not all clouds have silver linings Mm -hmm. and like. Like, um, but I heard in uh, another song. What was the other song? It was the love song for the night. Oh yeah. And you talk about bright side. Like you have a bright side lyric in there. Yeah. So was that before the song? Yeah, that was before the song. I love oh. that you listened to it that closely because I actually, <laughs> it. I think I wrote bright side and then I sang love song again at some point. I was like, oh, there's that. There's that little term in yeah. there, and um, like. And so I didn't even realize. So that was that like they a were self-conscious. Connect- yeah, it was just like a yeah subconscious. I was, I was like, wondering if it if it like inspired the the song like that no, one lyric. No, it didn't. Like, oh, but that's I cool. love that you noticed that. So that's yeah, so cool. I was. Yeah, that was a really. Uh, it's really such a unique sound, and I think uh, like Bright Side specifically how it starts out. You, I, you really don't know what to expect. You just start hearing, you know, yes. you just start hearing the instrument. And you're kind of mm-hmm. like, okay. And then and then you start singing and you really, I feel like it really lets your voice shine too because it's very simple, you know, like it's just yes. simple. It's not like a bunch of instruments. It's just voice instruments. So it's very easy to to like listen to the lyrics. And um, and then when you get in that hook and, hook and oh man, that shit is just so good. Like, Thank it, you. and I, it's, um, I bring up Sean Stratty because it was the same thing before I did a podcast with him. Like I just, you know, I always listen to the music and then mm-hmm. it's like, I've just, I can't get it out of my head. Just like, there'll be one song that I'm just like in love with. And that's, that's exactly how this was. Like, oh, so cool. it's just been in my head for, for like a week. Plus. Thank you. I'm I'm happy to hear that. Yeah, it's a it's a, it's an honor to have you on the podcast here. Um, talk about so how often do you do shows like locally around here? Do you? Um, yeah, it's um it's definitely fluctuated a lot over the last few years. Um, I would say 2022 was kind of like my peak show year. So in within the last like three or four years here, um, like especially that summer, I was playing like 
two times a week for a lot of the months and um which i mean some people play like four or five times a week so it's not but for me that was a lot and uh especially because performing wasn't my only thing i was still teaching and doing a lot of other just kind of random side work and stuff um and so now i would say that i'm probably playing more like two times a month and some of those are public and some of those are private events. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. So, yeah. And I have, yeah, I have. Like, a, I can't come to the assisted living facility yeah, and come check that one yeah, out. Yeah, I can't come check that one out. <laughs> or, like. spitting bars. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> She's with me. Um, but, yeah. Or, like, I, I have, like, a few more weddings and stuff like that oh, on yeah. the books. Um, so, so, yeah. It's, like, I have the one at Bottle Bay Brewing tonight. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, I do, I also occasionally in my gigging world is like, I sub with the Spokane Symphony sometimes. Oh, really? Um, I've done that occasionally. I am like playing in a musical theater production in March, you know, so there's, so there's some different elements besides just the like straight ahead gigs that I do too. No, that is, it's, it seems like a very, like, especially with your background in music, it's like a dynamic, you have all these different types of performances that you can fit into. Yeah. Yeah. Which is really fun. And some, I mean, occasionally it can feel like a little much to keep up with, especially cause it's like the same instruments, but kind of different skill sets sometimes. But uh, for the most part, I really like it. And that's something I've always loved about percussion, even though I primarily play vibraphone now. Um, I love that, like, you know, like just from like a school band setting, like everybody else is just sitting down and playing their saxophone and I'm back there running to different instruments and yeah. like playing five different things in one song. And that's just way more fun to me. So Is this always what you wanted to do? Uh, I think I... I always just really enjoyed making things and making art and making music. Um, and you just doubled down on it over the years. Like, yeah. I'm just going to keep doing what it feels good. Yeah. And I think I, I mean, I was lucky to have really good music teachers, both as private mm. lesson teachers and in my schools that were very supportive and very good at helping me see what the next step in the path was as far as continuing to study it. And for me, like going to college, like music was actually a really good financial choice because it paid for my school, you know, to get to get scholarships for going mm. for music, you know. So it's yeah. like, you know, people always talk about how getting an arts degree can be kind of useless from a college. And I'm not completely against that statement, like depending on what you go or what or you know how you had to like pave your own path because you were like you know the three things they basically say hey this is what you can use it for yeah exactly so it's like it i don't know it's it's weird it's jobs are weird but it's still valuable for you to have it yes and it was and it was a great decision for me and i like i don't regret getting my music degree whatsoever because i mean really it gave me four years to practice is really what it did is to just like focus on playing my instrument really intensely much different than like a traditional degree that people may go for where it's like it puts you into work like a job it's like this will this helps you you create the whole time yeah exactly mm -hmm. you're just you're just really working at at understanding your instrument more and being able to learn things 
faster and I was just very much a put your head down and do the work kind of kid too. Yeah, and cool. um so yeah, so it was it was a good good choice for me. So when you were in school, were you thinking were you already writing your own music or was it Yeah, like, I When did that start? You were, Yeah, I started songwriting when I was like in middle school and high school um just i because i actually guitar was my first instrument i started playing when i was quite young um i'm not good like i don't want anyone to see me play guitar ever again if i never (laughs) play guitar ever again in front of people i would die happy but but do you still like to play it just not in front of people or not not really (laughs) (laughs) Um, more drums yeah exactly more drums more percussion um so yeah that's how i started and i don't if you know if i had just started with percussion i don't know if i would have ever gotten into songwriting and stuff because i i was really um like i loved learning covers on guitar and so for a long time it was like i had it's it's actually the youtube channel i still have now but i think i have privated a lot of these videos but i would just make cover songs to put on youtube you know i'd sing my favorite lumineers song or whatever Mm -hmm. and play it on guitar and then I also had this other part of my life, which was my band life, and I'd learn my four mallet marimba solos and play the timpani and stuff, but they were very, very separate. Mm-hmm. Um, mm. Yeah, so when I originally started songwriting, I wrote on guitar because, again, that's just like the pathway that I'd seen people do it. Um, and I had a band for a little while in college where I played guitar and sang and it was mostly my original music with some covers but that honestly at that point was primarily because I didn't have a mallet instrument yeah that I could gig with um so I just I had to play guitar and then you had I had to create music and yes yeah. I had to and so yeah but then in college it got to a point where I realized I was like I'm really struggling with like playing the things that I want to be able to play on guitar because it just was never my instrument. I was also spending like three, four, five hours a day on these mallet and percussion instruments. And so then I realized I was like, oh, I actually can play a lot of the things I want to play on mallets and so that's when i started that had to be like an aha moment right there yeah yeah because i'd done a little tiny bit of playing and singing before that but um i did kind of need to purposely decide i was gonna try it that way and you know i had a lot of time of not performing on mallet instruments before i started performing there was like two years where playing mallets and singing was just a thing I did in the practice room and I'd like be in there at 7 a.m. so no one else could like hear me and I'd record my little 20 second thing for Instagram and I'd put it up and then I'd go about the rest of my day but that's where it started yeah so bright side was that the last thing you released yeah, it was the last thing I released. And it's not because I haven't written music since then. I've <laughs> written plenty. But, uh, yeah, part of my struggle last year was just, like, not not getting stuff released. So that's going to change this year. So is it more just, like, right. the is it, a, like, a lot in the process of it, the whole thing? Or, like, is, was it a time thing or just a it just wasn't wasn't ready to put it out yeah i mean so i so i bright side was the last thing i released the first thing i released was actually a full album yeah yeah. um which i was extremely diy i did everything except for master it 
every other step I did myself. So, What's the name of the album? Um, the How and the Why. Okay. Yeah, and so, um, I the reason that I recorded and like got that one out into the world is because my senior year of college I started playing and singing more, and people were like, "When are you gonna put out an album?" Mm. I was like. This summer, and I had no idea how I was going to do that, but I was like, I just started telling people, and then I had to stick to it because enough people had heard me say that. So, again, I, like, imposed a deadline on Good. myself. Good. Created that, made it a project. Yeah. And, and, I mean, there's the demand for the people, too. So, it's like a, probably feels like, you know, people want to hear an album. So. Totally, yeah. And you think that's what you need to release to the world when you're, like, just starting? You're thinking, like, it needs an album when you totally could have got by with a single. Yeah. You know, or, or like... Like released it in it's a ambitious, way. For yeah. sure. It's yeah. ambitious. It's ambitious. But, but it's just like you just like once again you don't know any better. Yeah, and, and it's and I it was I have zero regrets about doing that. Even though I listen back to that album, and I'm like, okay, here's the like 800 yes. things that are wrong with it. But um, you learned. I yeah, I learned so much from it, and it was also while definitely it was stressful at times, it was also so fun, and I loved, I loved not having the voices in my head that I do now about like how you should go about your releasing and like exactly and I and I while I know those things don't matter it's still I've definitely gotten into a rut where it's like okay well I don't want to really I don't want to record this song because I like don't have all the perfect recording like things in in my house and I don't really want to pay for studio time right now Mm -hmm. and then I'm gonna need to like do this video with it and like I need all this like really good social media content whereas when I first did it I still had all those things it wasn't the most professional but people were still really excited about it you were overthinking it and I love love DIYing the shit out of things even if it means it sounded great I I wasn't listening to the album like oh this is this sounds like she recorded it in her bedroom which is what I did so thank you but um, but yeah and so I really I really miss sacrificing a little bit of quality to just do it in the way that makes me happy. Mm, I've yeah. I've really gotten a little bit stuck in like um this making, is the yeah, making things look perfect. Yeah. Like they sound great. Exactly. Yeah. And mm-hmm. like, you know, I see the people that are like succeeding on Instagram or TikTok or whatever and I mean, they are just like Kind, I mean, they sound great, super inspiring, but they're also kind of slaves to the algorithm, you know, and just like posting all the time to get yeah. all the views, get it out there. And I really don't want to do that. Yeah. I really, and I, I just have to realize that I might get some, I might get less traction, I might get less views, but I will get my art out there and it'll make me happier if I don't do it in that crazy, intense, perfect industry way yeah and that makes me happy and so that's okay with me if my rise into people's knowledge or or playlists or whatever yeah um is a little slower a little more organic that yes that actually like shoved into your face and you have good music on spotify and i think that a lot of artists you know it's like the people who just don't take that first step to get it online yeah like it's just on instagram it's just on youtube oh it's on soundcloud oh it's it's like always on like some weird thing like well can i just go to spot and so when i typed your name in and i found it and i you know i found bright side i was like fuck yeah dude okay and then i found the album i was like 
just having something to chew on totally. is so, is so important. So now I feel like you could take your time, but right here on this podcast, we just we're gonna say it. We want an album, yeah. and then so now you got to make a project. All right, good, good. <laughs> I will take that. I need it. So no, I'm, I appreciate I'm sure you got a bunch of stuff that's just just written, sitting there, just ready to see yeah. the light of day. Yeah, like because I mean, one thing I am good about is I don't sit on songs for a long time before I perform them. I'm very willing to like. So I've like. There's a lot of stuff that's not released that I've been playing for a year, <laughs> a year plus at this point. So a lot of people go see your show and they're like, I love this. And yeah, then they and can't then find like, it. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I'm those, an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> those recordings are the best too. Mm-hmm. When, when you've been playing them for a year. Yeah. Don't they come oh, out right. different? Don't they come out so much different? They in the do. I, yeah. You know, it's like, I love, I love both ends of the spectrum. I love the recordings that people do when the song is just first coming to life yes. and they capture that magic in the studio. Yes. Yep. And I love the recordings that people have had for years and years. And there's like this like familiarity they have oh, with yeah. them that you can't get any other way. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I love both of those are a different kind yeah, of magic. They, they are both a magic for sure. And yeah. it's tough to kind of decide which one. It's almost like you better just do both. Yeah. <laughs> you better just record one and then just like stash it and then perform it for a year and then, you know, maybe see if it's different. Yeah. You know? sure. Yeah, and you really get to kind of see what people like too when you bring mm-hmm. it out to the to the stage, then you kind of get to, oh, people okay, people yeah. really like this one and yeah. I think constructing a project whether it's an EP or even a string of singles or an album, it's just a very to me at least it's a very very special. It's a very special thing because this is and the, and the Valentine's Day stuff. Like, this stuff is all forever mm-hmm. stuff. Like, this is what is so beautiful. Like, this is up until the internet crashes. Like, you yeah. know, this is this exists. And then you know, if you have physical copies of stuff, like, yeah, it's just so, it's so meaningful because it comes straight. It just, it just comes from you into now someone's whole, you know, has it. Someone's mm-hmm. holding on to it. Someone has it in their playlist and loves a song. And a lot of people, these days, it's like, remember, we... I was born in 86, so we had the the books with the CDs in them, you know, mm-hmm. and now people just have a playlist. Right. So you just, it's it's like changing times and stuff. But yeah, um, yeah it was interesting to hear what you're talking about with the social media, because I think that all, most people that put music online and, and um, are doing this in, in a business sense are slaves to the algorithm and are, are trying to find, oh, how, you know, how do I market my music? How do I do it in a way that it's going to reach people? the right people and more people and it's just a lot of stuff that can get in your way as an artist because our job is just to make great art and we're not supposed to be good at marketing our music we're not supposed to be good at social media we're not supposed to be good at this stuff but in this day and age that's the other thing is like there's a lot of comparison i see a lot of people it's like oh you know they're doing that you know and then that stuff will get in the way of where it's just you don't need to worry about that just make great art and Make sure that it does see the light of day. And like, this is your journey. This is what's going to happen is supposed to happen. Yeah. Yeah. No, I completely agree with that. And I think, I think another thing I've struggled with, with social media is I like Instagram was becoming a big thing. Like when I was in middle school and high school. Mm -hmm. And so I started posting like little pieces of my music from my 
my iPod Nano or whatever, my iPod Touch. There we go. And it was like when it was 15 second videos, you know, oh, and yeah. stuff. And so you like pick like the two and a half lines you like the best. Oh my God, to you're showcase. right. Because it was only 15 <laughs> yeah, seconds. Like, I forgot yeah, about and that. You're just like, you're like, damn, I can't fit in that last word, like to finish the sentence. Like, oh, um, well. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so, um, so I started posting and I started sharing my. Um, you know, my singing and playing stuff on Instagram in college more. And I I don't have, like, a giant Instagram following by any means. But what I did tap into, and it was very accidental, is um, there is, like, more than a lot of other instruments, there is, like, a very strong, like, online drum and percussion community, mm. especially among people that are, like, studying it at like a higher high school college level i think it's partially because percussion and drums are such a visual instrument that it lends itself really well to sharing videos and Mm. and i think i think that's a big part of it um and so from sharing i like connected myself to a lot of different percussionists and especially i grew up in montana like i had music friends but i didn't have a lot of people like studying it or aspiring to the level I was trying to go after and so social media for me it was not a marketing thing but it was really just like it was truly just a place to connect with people like to tap into that community community, yeah yeah. and to be a part of that community and like Mm. I said it was so accidental and it was just like it was just really cool and it connected me to some festivals that I attended not I didn't teach at or anything but I attended and I met so many people that way and so it's been difficult kind of transitioning into like you know because now everybody has their their five-step plan for social media and stuff like that it's um it's hard using it as a tool sometimes instead of like just as a place where i used to it used to be just for fun and and just to connect with people and so but it but it's undeniable that it's a tool and that I also do have to use it as a tool yeah. if I want to, like, push my career to different elements. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I'm really trying to find a balance with that and figure out, like, what things do I need to do? What things do I get to do mm-hmm. on social media? Um, it's very tricky. It's yeah, very what do tricky. I need to not worry about? I feel like it, it is just, like, less is more. Like, do you do you ever take breaks, like social media breaks, or do you not need a break ever? Uh, no, God, I feel like I need a long, 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 <laughs> long break. So um, just, I'm just going to say right now, I, I deleted it, actually. Yeah, you did? really? Yeah. But I mean, I'm not, not to, con- you know, continue with the question. Yeah. He said, do you ever take breaks? But I mean, like, I straight up, like, it's toxic and, and to me, to a sense, and I just was like, all right, and I deleted it. Yeah, well, and the thing is, I really strongly relate to you on that. And I know that there are, I know that there are absolutely ways I could continue my, my business and my music and the way I want to connect people without social media. But also so much of my career is due to social media. And I, and so I'm not ready to let go of figuring it out yet but i do think like i have been thinking a lot about when i can take more dedicated breaks even if it's just like a weekend a month that i like take without it um or like a day a week because i think it i think it's harder when you like 
when you take like a whole week or a whole month off at a yeah. time. But I'm like, even just like a day would make my brain feel so much clearer. So I've been thinking about that. So after after two weeks of not having it on my phone, mm-hmm. I realized that, um, and this is just what works for me because I also own a business in town yeah. and I need it for I need social media for that. And so I realized that having it on a separate device that's not my phone mm-hmm. is what... Like having to go to a computer or... Well, no, it's to... just like an old phone. Oh, okay. I See, that would be and, so and you great. Know, and you just know you're not going to be that guy carrying around two phones or gal carrying around two phones. So it's like, okay, here it is. And so that's what's working for me currently Yeah, is that there's a separate phone that's sitting there with no plan on it, but it's connected to Wi-Fi and, and I can... I can kind of keep the people engaged in the business going, Mm -hmm. but I leave it alone other than that. And I mean, it's really, really, really been relaxing. You you took a really big break recently. Yeah, we did like a, a, we did a month, I think. A month without it. And you were telling me, you were just like, it's been nice, but like in the back of my brain, I'm like, I'm wondering what's going on. (laughs) Well, it's because it's like, like, there's like a, there's many, there's like a couple elements to it, right? Like at, we're like a consumer aspect. You're just, I feel like the consumer side, well, both sides. I can give, I can give toxic. up the whole like being sold stuff on it. Like that's that part I wasn't missing. But were you, were you like, were you missing like things being given? Like were you missing the you seeking or were you missing the things coming at you? So I'm more of a, I'm more of a like, I, I don't do like, reels where I'm like, I just get lost in the mm-hmm. TikTok type. Out. You were like, saying that. Like, I, I never scroll. I never he look. He never at, scrolls reels. No, I, I literally, no, seriously. <laughs> that is shocking. How do you never <laughs> scroll a reel? Because the, There's a part missing in your brain, the, but good for you. The, the, yeah. the attractive part to me was of, of social media, of, of Instagram was that I could follow I could just follow the people I want to follow. So the comedians and the mm-hmm. skateboarders and yes. the artists and my friends in that way. If I'm just going down my, what do you call it? A timeline? I don't know what they call these. That you you go in your feed. Yeah, I'm, I'm going down and I'm just seeing what I want to see. I'm like, okay, yeah, Tony Hawk. Okay, cool. What's up? Oh, yeah. No, I love this guy. All right. And I'm just going, I'm seeing what I want to see. And then if I don't, if something's not serving me, then I unfollow it. And then I can really kind of control. And when I'm going down reels, I'm just seeing... You know, you're just putting all sorts of stuff. You're just seeing all sorts of stuff I didn't ask for, you know? And oh, so, you just, you, yeah, you just made me explode because that's exactly <laughs> what it is. It's like you, and until Reels came out, it was like a thing where it was like, you know, you kind of had a little peg on what you wanted to see, but Reels really changed that. Yeah. And, I and that's that's big of you to just not have to do it. And it's not that. like, it's not <laughs> that intentional as it sounds. Yeah. I literally just have... I just have like it's a time suck, you know, and I'm, I'm trying to be really yeah. intentional with my time. And I do use social media more as like a tool and a, a, a means to connect mm-hmm. with a community, yeah. like connecting with you and yeah. doing a podcast. Yeah, you are like, good at that. That's what I like to use it for. I, I'm most. <laughs> Most of the time, if I'm on social media, I'm like checking my reel. Like, how's it doing? Is it doing all right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Like, all right. What would they like about it? What they not like? Okay. All right. You know, just trying to like analyze it, which is yeah. a lot of the toxic stuff too, because you're trying to figure out the algorithm. Right. Yeah. You're trying to create the right content. I will and- say, I will say, if anybody is really good at using it, social media in the correct way, it is you. Because about a long time ago, I mean, you taught me how to use it, like to grow an audience. That yeah. was like 15 years ago. I met I you on social media. Yeah, we on met Twitter. each other. 
unfolds. Yeah. Oh <laughs> and it's just he's that that seems to be like, yeah. So in terms of connecting, that's definitely what you're good at on it. And yeah. I could see like if you're it's like, okay, this could be bad if I keep going. But like if I just use it where it's a where it's a you know, one ended sword and it doesn't stab I'm me. A, back. I'm addicted to like you know, oh, if I don't like I feel like I'm not doing enough. Like if I'm not yeah, posting enough true. or I'm not, it's like, oh, am I am I doing enough? Yeah. And then that's that kind of plaguing, you know, where it's like I don't want to spend more time on social media than I want to spend actually creating music or yeah. actually enjoying the music, performing live. Um, you know, those things. But like I was talking about the stage fright and stuff, it's just such a conundrum too, because it's like I'll be all, all nervous about it. And then like the second I step on stage, it's just all gone. Like every yeah. it's just nothing but fun. Mm -hmm. And it's like Ever, all those feelings it was like what is why why were you even worried about this like this yeah. is you love this no i i i'm glad you brought this up again because i wanted to ask this earlier like again as somebody who doesn't have like a ton of stage fright mm -hmm. what is so you know obviously you go through the the laundry list of like everything's worked before i always have fun once it's done mm -hmm. but like what gets you up on stage like truly if you are really having those like feelings of anxiety so, so it is it's, it's truly <laughs> a separation research for me it really no, is it's, oh, it's, yeah, it's no, a I separation between <laughs> mental and emotion so my emotion is like so so when when a gig comes up right and somebody mm -hmm. offers us uh an opportunity um i have gotten good now at really analyzing the opportunity and knowing if it's something that I want to do. And if it's something that I want to do up here mm -hmm. and I know that down here, I'm going to be like freaking out. And it's like, yeah. I just already know that I'm going to go through right. the thing, right? Like I'm going to say yes to it. And then a week before it happens, I'm going to be like, Oh shit, I got a thing. There's a thing. That's on Friday. It's on Friday. Okay. It's, that's not it's a problem, but I'll be anxious. Like days ahead of time like this yeah. isn't even for like seven days like you don't have to worry about it. like oh man but it's coming yeah. so it's um but it's like my brain knows no that you love this yeah you love this even though my body will be like fight or flighting myself yeah. like oh you gotta you gotta and i'll just be getting but i feel like i'm kind of i have adhd i don't know if that has anything to do with it i just maybe kind of just, I, I was a little anxious before this podcast yeah yeah just you know I'm hanging very out intimidating hanging so out with someone sense. new it's just like not not nearly as much as a show, but just a little bit of just oh. Mm -hmm. And I actually somebody I know just uh, made a post, and it was something about um, when you when you feel that, understand or turn that into it's like I'm not nervous, I'm not anxious, I'm excited. Yes, yes. that is that's really I've heard that too. really big. Yeah, and that's something that I I use definitely because like. Yeah, I don't have stage fright, but of course I like want to do a good job. I care yeah. about it. And, you know, part of caring is like being nervous and uncomfortable. And so, True. so yeah, that's a that's a big a big one. So that's there's good. some like some degree for you of of like butterflies or something yeah. when you have a oh, show. Definitely. It's not like I'm when I say I don't have stage fright, it's not me being like, I could just take a nap and then wake up and go on stage and like be the chillest person I've ever been. Um, one, I'm not a chill person. I'm quite an anxious person, just naturally day to day. So that's not going to happen. But um, but yeah, I I think I've always been very quick to say that's not nervous. That's excited. Yeah. And so um, so yes, I feel very excited before a show. And um, yeah, it would be weird if you like didn't feel like you're 
heart was pumping a little bit harder. Like you, you know? said, it's like an acknowledgement from your from your body that you know you're about to to do something. Like it should make you feel. Exactly. It's like that. It's like getting off stage. Like it's like the complete opposite. It's like when you get off stage, you're like, I'm invincible. Yeah. This is amazing. Like it's like the best high you could ever have is is doing a great job and getting off stage and just being like, wow. Exactly. You know? Isn't that a trip. It is a trip. It's the best feeling yeah. ever. And and yeah. releasing a project is is just right up. Just right up there, you know, you work on yeah. this thing and, and then you get to put it out and it's just like this relief of like, oh, it's, it's, it's out there now. Yeah. You know. Mm-hmm. So true. Rosie, thank you for, for coming on the podcast. Seriously, yeah. this is a ton of fun. I know that there's probably a bunch of other things that I'm just forgetting to ask you, but we'll just have to do it again. That sounds good to me. That works. So Hell thank yeah. you for having me. Of course. Look at this camera right here and tell the people what uh, just one thing you're grateful for. Oh, um, one thing I am grateful for today is continuing to tap into the Spokane creative community because I'm still new enough here that it feels like there's always new people to meet. And I'm very grateful for that. Cool. Good answer. Rosie Sircone. Thank you, guys. Thank you. I appreciate you. you. Nice to meet you. Thank you, Brandon. We appreciate you. Thank you. You're welcome. And and thank you, everybody. at home watching that took the time to tune in live if anybody tuned in live and thank you for watching this podcast um you know we were talking about algorithms and we were talking about scrollings and stuff like that please share this podcast please share this clip or whatever however you find this share it with a friend that might enjoy it okay and check out rosie's book okay it does not just apply to vibraphone or percussionist you can take this book and you can learn you know, if you're just doing gigs out there um, in general. Thank you, guys. Love y'all. Peace. Thanks, Rosie. Thank fun. you. Yeah. And it's like, I don't know, did you mean to mess up right in the beginning? So, um, so yes, I just was not super interested. Nobody notices. Believe it or not, that's actually my goal.